The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. This Gospel this morning is from St. John. It is chapter 8, verses 48 through 59. And it can be found on page 1663 in the Pew Bible. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. And very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they explained, exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So today, well, <laughs> I'm getting out of order. I don't know what happened to me. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because we know that nothing good comes from any other source. Amen. Today is the feast of the Holy Trinity. Somebody might say, so what? Well, <laughs> somebody might say, what has the Trinity got to do with my salvation, our salvation? And we shall see that it is a big deal, a great deal. And it has a great deal to do with our salvation. It is an important teaching in the Bible. And yet the Trinity is very uh, uh, misunderstood, often mis misunderstood. Are we okay? We got sound? Huh. Okay.
It's on. It's on. It's not muted. Don't know what to tell you. I'll just talk really loud. Okay. All right. That won't be a problem. Okay. So, so should I start over? Could people hear that? All right. All right. Well, um, I lost my spot. But the Trinity is often misunderstood. It just is. People, you know, they, I don't get it. They try to describe it as an egg. And, oh my gosh, it's so much more than egg. You know, but um, let me just take a stab at it. And may the Holy Spirit come upon us and give us wisdom and understanding. And if you still don't get it, let's get together in my office. We'll sit and pray and, and study and ask for, for that. But here we go. One of the problems that uh, we encounter when we talk about the Trinity is that somebody will make the very true observation that neither the word Trinity or triune is in the Bible. And that's true. The, the truth is that there are a lot of words that Christians use that are not in the Bible. And many of these words are shortcuts that save us uh, time when we talk to each other about the things of God. So in, earlier this morning, I, I, I pointed your direction of the Athanasian Creed that's in your, in your bulletin. And if you look at what this says, um, it, you know, the, the first uh, article is, whoever desires to be saved must above all hold to the Catholic faith. Now, we're not Roman Catholics all of a sudden this morning, okay? Um, Catholic, universal, together, okay? Um, and then Article 2, whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled with, will without doubt perish, eternally perish, eternally. And then Article 3, and the Catholic faith is this. Whew, okay, well, here we go. Number 4, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Okay. So, across the United States, in most Missouri Synod Lutheran churches today, they are going to participate in one of the traditions of Trinity Sunday. They are going to read the Athanasian Creed. And if we did not have words like Trinity or Triune, we would have to recite that creed every time we wanted to talk about God. I'm kind of being silly, but it makes sense. Stay with me. Can you imagine two theologians talking to each other, and they say, which God are you talking about again? To which the other theologian would reply, would reply, the God where the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there are not three gods, but only one God, and the Father is eternal, and the Son is eternal. <gasps> the Holy Spirit is eternal, and yet there are not three eternals, but only one eternal, and so forth. And after a while, one of the theologians would say something like, you know what? We need to have a shorter way to say all of that. Because by the time I get through identifying my God, 
I forget what I was going to say about him. So eventually, they came up with the words triune and trinity just to save, save time. Now, Athanasia was an actual person, and some attribute this to him. Others argue, oh, theologians, um, that he didn't write it. And so back and forth they go on who wrote it. I don't know exactly who came up with the word trinity and what the exact circumstances were when somebody first used the word, but the word trinity does give a name to a teaching that is found in the Bible. So although the words trinity and triune are not found in the Bible, the teaching that they describe is an important teaching of the Bible. And we can learn something about what it means that God is Father, that God is Son, and that God is Holy Spirit from today's Bible readings. But before we can completely understand today's gospel, we need, we need to visit a bush, a burning bush. And so we will. One of the events that we associate with Moses is his encounter with a bush that was on fire, but it didn't burn up. Remember that? And it turned out that God used his burning bush to call Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And we often tend to forget that Moses did not want to follow God's call. That Moses kept offering up excuses and kept God kept knocking him down, these excuses. And in the middle of this conversation, God told Moses his name. And that part of the conversation goes like this. It's in Exodus 3, verses 13 through 14. It's recorded, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel, and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, This, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, God's name translated into English is literally, I am. Now, in today's gospel, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus is not using bad grammar here. Instead, he is saying, I am the God who spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. And this is really not the kind of thing that a person ought to say in a crowd of devout Jews in the first century Israel. These are the kind of words that get you, well, they can get you killed. And the last verse of the gospel confirms this as it says, so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, these Jews were ready to stone Jesus for claiming to be God. Jesus does not allow us 
to say that he is a good man, but not God. One more time. He doesn't allow us to say he was a really neat guy, but not God. And if anyone absolutely insists that Jesus is not God, then they must also insist that Jesus is a liar of the worst sort. A liar who claims to be God. And if we insist that Jesus is a good man, then we are saying that Jesus is God. And Jesus insists that we must accept him and God. And since he has risen from the dead, just as he promised, we can believe him. Now, while it's proper to believe that Jesus is both God and man, there is more to it than that. Jesus not only claimed to be God, but he also spoke of God as his Father. And in today's gospel, he also said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. So Jesus is not only takes the name of God to himself, but he also teaches that God is his Father. So now we have God the Father and God the Son. And Peter tells us about God the Holy Spirit in today's epistle. This reading comes from Peter's Pentecost sermon. Peter preached this, he said, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Here we see the Father exalting the Son, and the Son pouring out the Holy Spirit upon his church. Now from this, we learn that although no person in the Trinity is before or after another, they all have a role in our salvation. The Father, the Father sends the Son into the world. The Son, the Son redeems the world. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives redemption to the world through his gift of faith. And the three persons of the one God work together in perfect harmony to bring salvation to us. Without the salvation that the triune God brings to us, we would all be lost. Without the salvation that the Holy Spirit, that the triune God brings to us, we would all be lost. Each of us sins daily in thought, in word, and deed. And instead of loving God above all things, we love ourselves above all things. Instead of honoring God's name with our mouths, we bring shame on it. And instead of eagerly and joyfully hungering for his word, we despise its teaching. 
And instead of honoring those in authority, we constantly try to find ways, ways around that authority. While we may not draw blood, our unkind words and our hateful thoughts have murdered, if the truth be told, as we confessed earlier in the service, we all deserve punishment here on earth and forever in hell. And fortunately, we are not without salvation that the triune God brings to us. This is the good part. God the Father sent the Son into the world to take on our mortal flesh. God the Son not only took our human flesh to himself, but he also took up our sin, all of our sin, all of it. And so the Son of God took our sin to that cross, and he, well, he and the Father conducted the most awful transaction to ever occur, the most terrifying transaction. What is that? Well, in a way, this transaction is something that we cannot understand because we are not God. But God the Father turned away from our sins in disgust. He can't look at our sin. So he turned his back on our sin that was on his Son. And the result was so terrible that the that God the Son cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what a terrible punishment that must have been that caused the Son to cry out in that way. And how horrible it was for the Father to inflict such pain on his beloved Son in that way. Can you imagine Putting that upon your child who you love? What love that is. And that his punishment, this is the punishment that our Savior Jesus Christ, the Son of God, endured for us, for all of us who should believe. And by enduring that punishment for us, the Son of God made absolutely certain that we would never we would never be punished in that way. And God the Father gives us His grace. He gives us His grace for the sake of His Son, Jesus Christ. With His sacrifice, God the Son earned forgiveness, life, and salvation for every man, woman, and child who was ever lived and for whoever will live. And that wonderful salvation, well, it'll do us no good, however, if it isn't delivered to us. And that is the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings God's gifts to us. The Holy Spirit works through the Word of God to create and to sustain faith in us. And he does this as we read. He does this as we hear. 
He does this as we study God's Word. And he also does this through the wet word of the holy baptism and the body and the blood of our Lord when we receive the bread and the wine in the Lord's Supper. He delivers faith to us who receive it. Now catch this. This is important. Are you listening? Okay, here we go. Even people who do not believe, even people who do not believe have forgiveness set aside for them. It is on a layaway plan awaiting the day when the Holy Spirit brings their spirits to life and works faith in them. When they come to their senses after being in a faraway land, when they come, it's there. And they too will experience the love of the triune God. They too will look forward to the day when they see God face to face in heaven. There's hope. It's there for them. Now, here's the hard, cold truth, though. Those who reject faith and forgiveness until the day they die, will never experience the sweet salvation that the triune God has for us. That the salvation will remain unused. It was there for them the whole time. But if you don't receive it, it remains unused. They will not receive the benefits of the great love that God has for them. Instead, they will experience the full, dreadful terror that caused the Son of God to cry out on the cross. They will spend eternity paying for those sins in hell. They will not spend eternity in hell because God does not love them, though. They will spend eternity in hell because they utterly refused that love. They rejected the only gift that can save them. Now, we, poor sinners, who have been blessed with the gift of faith by the Holy Spirit, will receive the gifts that only the triune God can give. The gifts of forgiveness of life and salvation. And we receive those gifts by God the Father's grace for God the Son's sake through God the Holy Spirit's gift of faith. In the name of Jesus, amen.